Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. What? Let's go! Let's party. My name's Nathan. Thanks for crashing the party today uh, here at, at Revo. Um, I was downstairs with 600 cake pops getting ready to, to pass them out before our 930 service today. And uh, somebody had the audacity to walk by and say, why are we doing cake pops today? I'm sorry. I didn't know there had to be a legitimate reason to eat cake. <laughs> what do you mean, why are we eating cake pops? Because it's made of cake. Like, that's the reason why we're eating cake pops. The question shouldn't be, why are we eating cake pops today? It should be, why didn't we eat them last Sunday as well? Like, what's going on? Are we eating them next Sunday? And so once I kind of was taken aback by the shock, I was able to explain to them it's been a year uh, since we've moved into this facility, and it's been uh, really cool. God has done some amazing things over the, the past 12 months uh, since we uh, moved into the neighborhood. Um, just in this room alone, in our two services, we've seen an increase of, uh, an average increase of 125 people uh, that will, will call Revo Church home and, and worship every Sunday with us. Uh, in our kids' ministry, uh, our kids' ministry just downstairs has grown by 36%. Um, 150 different uh, new kids checked in. Praise God, they didn't come on the same day. Uh, but over, over 12 months, uh, they checked in. And so you can imagine, that's a big need. If you're like, hey, I want to go where there's a need, consider this the need. Because um, kids are, are awesome down there. And, and 33 people in, in our last two baptism services here at this campus have moved forward and gone public in their relationship with Jesus. And so like, God is doing some crazy things. So today we're partying. Today we're celebrating Jesus and cake pops because both of those things apart are fantastic, but when you bring them together, then a party really happens. It really uh, erupts. Um, I don't know what you know about Jesus, um, but a lot of people think a lot of different things when they hear the name of Jesus. Um, Some people think miracles, right? If you read scripture, Jesus did some pretty amazing things. Um, I would love to walk on water just one time. Uh, that he did that, uh, and uh, Jesus healed people. Maybe, maybe when you think of Jesus, you think of a a, a miracle worker and a, a healer. There were stories of where a paralyzed man was healed by Jesus and walked for the very first time in his life. People that were blind received their sight. Um, people that were deaf could could not hear their entire life were healed by Jesus. There were this guy named Lazarus who was raised from the dead. Hello, you need to go read that story. That's a good one. So maybe maybe that's what you think of when you think of Jesus. Maybe when you think of Jesus, you think of his sermons. This guy was the greatest communicator that ever lived. I mean, this this is the guy that thousands of people were coming to hear before stages and microphones and lights and air conditioner buildings. I mean, Jesus is standing on the side of a hill. And five, six, seven thousand people show up just to hear him preach, just to hear him talk. And, and so maybe you remember a, a, a sermon that Jesus preached. Uh, maybe you remember a story. Jesus was a great storyteller. I love that about Jesus. He knew, he just had this way of communicating really hard, lofty truths in a way that everyone could understand it. Like Jesus was great about putting the cookies on the bottom shelf so that everyone could, could reach them. Maybe you remember a story or a parable that, that Jesus told. But I, I think one of the things that they don't teach you this in seminary, maybe you've never thought about this before, but if you read the Gospels, one of the things you're going to realize is, is, is Jesus ate a lot. 
I mean, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this guy was eating all the time. I mean, he, he ate it at parties, at wedding festivals, at, at, at feasts, at banquets, at outdoor picnics. There was a time he took like a catfish sandwich and prayed over it and fed 5,000 people. That's a cool party trick. He was always eating. So, like sometimes, like I'll be in my kitchen at 11 o'clock at night, Elizabeth walked down, I'm eating ice cream out of the carton. What are you doing? Just trying to be more like Jesus, right? <laughs> Every day, all aspects of my life, just want to surrender it all. Um, Jesus loved to eat, man. He, he, he loved to eat. But here's a, here's a caveat. Before you want to be too much like Jesus, you also got to remember that Jesus walked everywhere he went, okay? <laughs> because if you want to eat like Jesus but not walk like Jesus, you're going to look like Buddha. So <laughs> consider yourself warned. Consider yourself warned. Let's eat and walk like Jesus. Jesus loved to eat. Here's another cool thing. You may not know this. Jesus loved to party. Jesus was always at a party. When you read the Bible, I think you'd be surprised how many times you see this guy was at, was at somebody's house. He was at a dinner party. He was at an outdoor party. I mean, even, even the dinners that he shared with his disciples around the table, like Jesus was, he was a bit of a party animal. And I think that's something you don't hear a lot in church. That's something you don't hear a lot. Like I didn't learn that in seminary. I didn't take partying 101. In, in seminary, I did in college, uh, but uh, <laughs> just kidding, kind of. Um, that's not something they teach you in seminary, but Jesus loved to party. Jesus was known for those things. Jesus was not only loved to party, but oftentimes Jesus was the life of, of the party. And so today, here's what I want to do. I just want to, on a day where we are celebrating, where we are partying, I want to teach you maybe a, a party theology I want to learn from Jesus. Jesus was a great guy to have at the party. Jesus went to a lot of parties, and I'm convinced that uh, if, if you and I are going to be followers of Jesus, we need to know how to party. We need to know how to throw a good party, and we need to know what to do and what to say and how to act at a party. And so Jesus actually lays out this in, in one of the many parties that Jesus attends. I want to look, if you have your Bible, let's do Luke chapter 14. And we pick up the story in verse 7 where Jesus is, surprised at a party. And he's looking around at the party and he begins to notice some things about the people that he's with. And so if you have your Bible, you can, you can turn to it or check the words out on the screen or, or turn to your phone Bible. You can do that too. Here's what Jesus says, Luke, Luke 14, verse 7. When he, Jesus, noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at that table, he told them this parable. He said, guys, let me tell you a story. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, to a party, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited you both will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to stand up in front of everyone at the party, realizing you sat at the wrong seat, and you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, do this. When you go into a party, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to the better place. Come on, you're supposed to be in the VIP. Come on up and sit with, with me. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I love here that Jesus assumes that we are going to be party people. Right? He doesn't start this, saying, this, this sermon by saying, hey, if you ever like, accidentally stumble into a party, you know you shouldn't be there, but if you stumble in there, don't make it weird, he doesn't say, maybe, I don't know if you're party type or not, but maybe half of you are, maybe half of you are not, and so maybe, maybe that's not your deal. He says, no, when you go to a party, 
Jesus assumes that we are party people. And this is the first thing that I kind of recognize about Jesus. So many people believe that faith and fun cannot coexist, right? Like, you, like if, if you grew up in church, maybe you grew up in a church where you were like, I would never call that fun. Like, I would, I would never say that that was a good thing. I, I did not enjoy that at all. But, but I would argue that Scripture teaches that, that if faith if your faith has separated you from fun, then that's not faith. That's actually religion, and it's false. You should probably run away from that. Because Jesus says faith is actually fun. Faith brings life. Faith brings joy. Faith brings satisfaction. And so he says it, it, those things are not mutually exclusive. And so if you have a relationship with Jesus and you understand what this faith is all about, there's a, a fun, there's a level of excitement that goes along with it. There's a, a party-type atmosphere that happens. And I, I think it's so cool that Jesus doesn't tell us not to party. In fact, he says, I want you to party, and I want you to party so much that I'm going to tell you how to party. And make sure you don't have a party foul in front of, of anyone. So I'm going I'm to kind of give you some instruction. And here's the way that Jesus said. He's sitting in this party and he sees some people in the room that are escorting themselves to the best seats. The best seats, the VIP, the head of the table. And he says, guys, let me tell you a story. And, and, he, and he starts with this idea. Please, please don't assume this because you may be invited to a party one day where you are not the most important person. I know this is going to be hard for some of you to understand. But the world does not revolve around you. You are not the most important person that walks into any room. You are not the person that walks into the room that should be thinking, how can you serve me? How can you do for me? What can you do to make my life easier? Like, how can you hook me up? Jesus says that's not how we party. Jesus says there will be times where you will walk in the room and you need to understand you are not the most important person in the room. This is not all about you. And Jesus says, listen, I want to warn you because if you assume that, then you need to be prepared for something. Because eventually, if you assume that too often, you will be humbled. So you and I can either choose to humble ourselves, Jesus says, or you can let other people humble you for you. And oftentimes, Scripture says that comes in the, the idea of humiliation. Here's the first thing that Jesus says. If you want to, if you want to know the rules of the party, okay? Here's the, here's the first priority, principle number one for, the, for, for being a good, good party animal in the name of Jesus is go to serve. Go to serve. When you walk into a room, don't ask, who can serve me? Say, who can I serve? Don't walk into a room and say, what are you going to do to make me feel welcome, make me feel good? What are you going to do to make my life more comfortable? Ask yourself, what can I do to help other people and to make their life more comfortable? Don't walk in thinking that you are going to be something, walk in thinking I'm going to do something. He starts out, don't walk in and just go ahead and escort yourself to the seat of honor. Walk in and say, what can I do to help? What can I do to serve? What can I do to help put other people in, in front of my, my, myself? Jesus says, humble yourself and serve. That's how we party. That's, that's, a, that's a rule for us. And Jesus makes the point, again, if you're not willing to humble yourself and serve others, then somebody else will do it for you. And it comes in the form of, Scripture says, you will be humiliated. He says, you're going to have to stand up in front of the crowd and walk back. And everybody's going to know, wow, you sat in the wrong seat, man. You thought you were a big deal and you're really not. And now you're like standing in the corner because all the other seats are taken. Has this ever happened to you? This happened to me. 
Like, I'm, I'm fearful of humiliation. Like, that's a legit fear of mine. When I was uh, in New Orleans, uh, me and my friends used to go to the Saints games, uh, the, the football team there, the NFL team in New Orleans. And, like, we couldn't afford any nice tickets, and so we would just buy the cheapest tickets that you could find. I have, I have sat in the Superdome on the, on the very last row. Like, my dome was hitting the dome. It was awful. Like, telescope, you couldn't even see. Like, what's the score? I don't know. I can't even see the field right now. These seats are so bad. Inevitably, this is what happened every single time I would go with my friends. Right when the game started, they would see some seats way down on the field, and they were empty. And they would say, hey, you want to go down there? Let's go down there. Let's seat in, let's sit in those seats right next to the field. Now, I never wanted to do it, right, because I'm scared of being humiliated. I know what's going to happen. We're going to walk all the way down there, and then security guard's going to tap me on the shoulder and say, sir, can I see your ticket? Or, or we're going to get down there and get situated, and then all of a sudden, whoever has those seats, they're going to come down, and they're going to look at their ticket and say, uh, excuse me, but I, I think you're sitting in my seat. And I don't want that. Like, I'm, I'm just like, nah, this is the back row. I'm fine on the back row. We, we're here. This is my seat, my ticket. Don't have to worry about it. But these guys would continually, like, let's go down there. Let's go down there. And then halftime would hit, right? Game's halfway over. Guess what? Seats are still open. And so peer pressure begins to work, and they're like, come on, let's go down there. And I'm like, no, we don't want to, and everybody's doing it. Okay, let's do it. So we, we go down there, and they're excited. I've never seen guys walk so confidently. We're down there on the lower bowl. I know we do not belong here. And they're walking with confidence. Like, like they're faking it. They're walking down the road looking at their ticket like they're, <laughs> like they're in the right section. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is us right here. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not. And I'm, I feel terrible about it. I can't even enjoy the game because the whole time I'm convinced everybody in the stands is looking at me saying, he doesn't belong here. Those are not his seats. Is that a college student? I know he's not down here. He should not be down here. But we did it. We did it, and we went down there, and it was interesting because we got down to the bottom level, and the seats that we saw, like I stopped at, and I realized everybody else kept going because there were some seats down near the field. I say, like, well, if, if we're going to stick it to the man, we might as well stick it all the way. So we're going down, we're going down there, and um, we get situated, and, and, and I'm nervous wrecked the whole time. These guys are enjoying the game. They're loving it. I'm nervous wrecked. So I'm, I'm serious. Somebody's going to tap me on the shoulder. And uh, I'm looking at the game, and all of a sudden, it happens. They tap me on the shoulder. And like, I don't even look over. I just start picking my stuff up, and I'm just like, oh, man. And I look up, and it's the guy selling cotton candy. He's like, do you want some? I was like, oh, no. I'm sorry, this is not my seat, so don't worry about it. <laughs> they're, they're yelling, they're enjoying the game, and then it, ha- it does, it happens. Um, security guard taps me on the shoulder. Uh, excuse me, sir, can I see your ticket? And I froze, I didn't know what to say. And I lost it. Do you have your ticket? No, sir, I lost it. <laughs> um, and then my friend beside me said, here it is. And uh, so handed it to him, and, and he said, um, these aren't your seats. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't know what to right? Like, what do you do at that point? And I'm like, oh, like this is the first time I've seen it. Oh, oh, it's the wrong section because this seat has 14 on it and I'm supposed to be in seat 14. And so I just assumed that this was my seat, but this says, where's section three? This says like 3,003. <laughs> oh, up th- okay. Gotcha. Honest mistake. Honest mistake. We'll, we'll go up there and, and you know what happened? You know what we had to do next, right? Walk of shame. All of us had to go off the front row and walk back up the stairs and up some more stairs and another level. And I would, I would not make eye contact with a single person because I knew they were judging me. I didn't want to make eye contact with them because I knew they were thinking, you don't belong here. This is not your seat. 
Like, why did you try to come down here and cheat the system? Why, why, did, you, why did you do that? And, you know, if we're honest, all of us here, we like the idea of, of being seated in a place of honor. We like the idea of being recognized. We like the idea of someone making a big deal of us and serving us and doing things for us. And, and we like that, that. There's a natural response to that. And Jesus says, if that is your mentality... If your drive and your desire is to always be the center of attention, to always sit at the seat of honor, then you need to be prepared for a lot of doors to be closed in your life. But, he says, if you'd be willing to humble yourself and take on the act of a servant and show up and say, how can I serve? What can I do? How can I help? How can I make your life better? I'm telling you, get ready for more and more opportunities to be opened. More and more doors. Not not closed, but for more and more people to begin to elevate you. To, to, to see you and to give you opportunities because you are willing to humble yourself first. Those are the things that we, that we talk about when Jesus says, welcome to the party. I'm so thankful for people at, at Revo Church that serve. Man, we have hundreds of people on both of our campuses every week, week in and week out, that show up here. And instead of walking in the door and assuming the place of honor, and assuming that everyone is here to give to me and to serve me and to do for me and to make my life better, they walk in and say, what can we do to help? What can we do to serve? How can I pour my life out for someone else? And so many people have benefited as a result of that selflessness. It's become a, 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 a motto of our church to serve hard and to, to, to pour our lives out. Instead of saying, what can you do for me? They show up and say, I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to do. I'm ready to, to help other people belong. I'm, I'm ready to give up the seed of honor so that other people can experience life change through Jesus. And that's exactly the way that Jesus said to party. He keeps going with the story in verse 12. Said, then Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, right? When you, when you throw a party, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But, but when you throw a party, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus says, hey, now that you know what to do when you show up at a party, let me talk to you about who's going to be at the party. Let me show you who, who we should be interested in inviting to this. And so I think that all of us know this, that within our line of work or our profession, we rub shoulders with people that can benefit us. Uh, we will take a client out to lunch because we think we can make some money off them. Or we'll take a customer out because we're trying to seal a deal. We'll throw a party and invite certain people because we know that we can get something in return. I scratch your back, you scratch my back, right? Jesus says that's, that's not the party I'm talking about. He says when you invite people to the party, invite people to the party that can do nothing for you. That cannot repay you even if they wanted to. That maybe have no interest in repaying you or doing anything kind in response to your service. Invite those people to the party. See, Jesus says, as followers of Jesus, we need to understand the difference between networking with people and loving people. The party I'm talking about, Jesus says, is when we love people, not for our own benefit, not walking in saying, what can you do for me? How is this going to help me? How is this going to advance my career or my dreams? But how can I help you? How can I serve you? What can I do for you? Jesus says, stop seeing people as a commodity to advance your professional agenda and start seeing people as a way to serve and to love and to care for. 
not as a benefit to us, but as a benefit to them. Those are the types of party people I want to hang out with. Jesus says if you're going to host a party and you're going to do that and invite people, then invite those types of people. Listen, open up your life to love and serve people that you would never love and serve apart from what God has done in your life. That's why I love the church, man. Like, as I look out in this room, like, look at the people around you. If it weren't for your connection here and with Jesus, you would never hang out with these people. I mean, look at some of these people in here. You would never hang out with them. But the cool thing is, bigger than race, bigger than social economics, bigger than background, bigger than how much money you have or what you've done in your past, Jesus is the uniter, right? And so we can come here and sit next to people that we don't know, that we've never seen, that are totally different, that we would never hang out with apart from here. And because we're united behind the same mission with no strings attached, we can love and serve and give and invest and pour out to other people. We can party. We can party each and and every Sunday. And so Jesus says, what I have opened up to you, I want to ask you, would you open up to others? What I love about our story is that we've strived to ensure that the church is somewhere where everyone can belong. Hey, I'll give you a heads up if you're new around here. You will never have to believe what I believe to belong here. You never have to believe what I believe about Jesus, what I believe about the Bible, what I believe about how God transforms your entire life, the story of Jesus and his resurrection. You will never have to believe what we believe to have a seat here at this party. Now, heads up, we're praying like crazy that God would change your life. And that one day you would experience life change through Jesus like he did, but you will never have to believe what we believe. Did you know that you will never have to give a single dime to Revo Church to have a place here? Never. Now we're praying that you would give your entire life over to Jesus. Your time, your money, your family, your marriage, everything about you. But you will never have to give a single dime to have a seat at this party. And the cool thing about the church is that the same family that gives $75,000 and $100,000 a year to Revo is sitting next to the family that has been attending Revo for years and never given anything. How does that happen? What, what happened? Because this place is not about what you can do for me or Jesus. It's about what Jesus has done for you. So you never have to give a dime. You never have to pay your dues. You never have to join. You never have to serve. You never have to believe what we believe in order to belong here. Jesus says that, that that's who you invite to the party. Not people that can do something for you or repay you back, but the, the outcast, the crippled, the broken, the hurting. Invite everyone, regardless of what they can do for you. Invite them in, into the party. Jesus lived that out. I love how Jesus lived this out in his life. One of Jesus' closest friends was a guy named uh, Levi. And the cool thing about Levi was he was a, a tax collector. Now, this is going to stretch your mind a little bit, but just imagine this. Just go with me here. Um, it's, going to be, it's going to be hard to connect, but 2,000 years ago, no one liked the IRS. No one trusted them. They were under investigation for some stuff. Nobody liked them. Levi worked for the IRS. He was a tax collector. He was known for being a cheat and a thief. He was, he was known for being a, a guy that was far from God. And interestingly enough, Jesus invites Levi to be in his inner circle, a tax collector. Like, no, no one likes it. In Luke chapter 5, we, we see this story in verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. 
And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Jesus invites this guy, far from God, into his inner circle. And check this out. I love this. This is the first thing he did. Verse 29. Then Levi held a great banquet. This guy threw a party for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others showed up to the party to eat with them. The very first thing that happens when this guy's life was changed by Jesus is he throws a party. He gives a big invitation. Hey, party, my house. Tonight, BYOB. Jesus is going to, bring your own Bible. Jesus is going to be there. Jesus is a party animal. You know it's going to be lit. Jesus is a great dancer. He's going to be there. And I love this. Levi must have known that Jesus was a great partier because he never would have thrown a party for Jesus if he didn't think Jesus was going to show up. So Jesus, he knew. Jesus must have had a reputation for this. He knew if I throw a party and invite a bunch of sinners, Jesus is going to love it. <laughs> Jesus is, is going to show up and undoubtedly Levi threw some killer parties because Scripture says everybody came. Everybody hit that accept on that Facebook invite. Everybody showed up to this party that Levi was going to throw. And it's amazing that we see here, we see who's invited to the party. On one side of the room, there are tax collectors. Scripture says tax collectors and sinners, right? Now check this out, man. You know tax collectors are bad when you have to, like you're not even lumped in with the sinners, right? It's like sinners and then tax collectors, like way over here, like super super sinners are over here, tax collectors and sinners. And then check this out. Who's on this side of the room? Jesus. <laughs> sinners, people that are far from God, really don't want anything to do with, with anything of any kind of religious and Jesus. Just two, two people. Levi must have thrown a great party because all of these people came and here's what happened. Here's what happened. Levi's life was changed by Jesus. And here's where he found himself. He found himself in the middle. In the middle of a room, on one side, there are tax collectors and sinners. And on the other side, there's Jesus. On one side of the room is everyone that Levi ever knew that was convinced that God would never be open to them. And on the other side of the room was the God that is open to everyone. And Levi saw himself as a bridge. He saw himself as a middleman. He said, I've, I've got to do what I can to invite people to the party so that they can experience what Jesus has done in my life. I want to be the one that bridges people that are far from God with the God that did everything he could so that we would not have to live our lives far from him. And Levi threw a party, and Jesus showed up. And it was wild. In verse 30, but the Pharisees, the Pharisees, the, the church people, the religious folks, and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to the disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Obviously, the Pharisees did not get invited to the party. They were hurt a little bit. You know, they walk up into the scene. They're like, turn the music down. It's too loud. Don't eat in the den. You're going to spill it out on the carpet. Like, just sucking all of the fun out of the room. Like, just... Don't want to have any fun. Jesus over there partying, sucking it out of them. And they've they're obviously got their feelings hurt. These guys can't figure it out because they didn't get invited to the party. How did Jesus get invited to the party and we didn't? Why do sinners love to hang out with Jesus and they don't like to hang out with us? Here's a little, little gut check. If you're a follower of Jesus in here today and 
people that are far from God don't enjoy hanging out with you, you may not be as much like Jesus as you think you are. And if your life and your circle is not filled with people that are far from God, then you may not be as much like Jesus as you think you are. The Pharisees got their feelings hurt, like, hey, we're, we're church people, we're, we're good religious people. And here's what they did. They sucked all of the fun out of the room and replaced it with rules. You're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be saying that. You're not supposed to be seen with those people. That's not right. That's not following the rule book. That's, that's not how this, this thing works. And this is how Jesus responded. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. <laughs> that was so bold, man. Like Jesus is in a group, in a big room, and he just yells out, hey, I'm in here hanging with the sinners. I didn't come to hang out with you. I came to hang out with these messed up people in here, right? <laughs> Give me a high five. <laughs> Can you imagine what these tax collectors would have thought? Like Levi's like, Got a point. I mean, come on. We steal from people. We're thieves, man. Right? Raise your glasses to the sinners, right? Jesus, open up your life to those types of people. Open up and broaden your circle. Invite those types of people to the party. The broken, the hurting, the hopeless, the helpless. The people that were convinced that God would never love them and God would never show up to a party they were at. That God would never accept them. Why not be the bridge between people that are far from God and the God that did everything so that we would never have to be far from him? Jesus closes out the story in, in, in Luke 14. In, in verse 16, he, he, he winds up this party mentality. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, throwing a party, and invited many guests. At the time of the party, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited to come. Everybody that the food's ready, everything about the party is ready. Come on, you guys, come on in. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another person invited to the party said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Verse 20, still another said, I just got married, uh, so I can't come. <laughs> ah, man, a lot of truth there. Have you ever invited someone into the party? You ever invited someone to Jesus and they gave you an excuse? <clears throat> right, so we need to be ready for excuses, but it's interesting how 2,000 years later, the same three excuses are the same today. I got places to go, I've got people to see, and I've got things to do. The first guy was obviously like a real estate broker. He's like, I just bought a piece of property and I got to go see it. I got places to go. The second guy said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, it's a new, new Porsche got to go ride this thing. I, I got things to do. And then the finally God said, I just got married and my wife won't let me, man. I want a party so bad, but she will not let me. I got, I got people that I need to hang out with. Here's, here's my challenge. People are going to say no. Please don't say no for them. See, we say no for them by looking at certain people and saying, oh, no, they would never respond. Oh, no, they don't. No, don't, don't bring up church with that guy. Don't talk to Jesus to that girl. She would never respond. Her life is so far from God, it's ridiculous. That guy is so anti-Jesus or anti-church or anti-me. Like, I would never do that. Jesus just says, ask them. Don't say no for them. Just ask them. If they say no, fine. But too many times in our life, instead of giving someone opportunity, instead of issuing them an invitation, we've convinced ourselves they would never come to the party anyway, so I'll just never ask them. 
studies show that the number one reason why people don't visit a church, you want to know why? They were never invited. They said not a single family member or a friend ever invited me to go, and so I never went. And the same studies show that if they were invited, they would come. If someone would be willing to say, I'll meet you out at the front door, I'll meet you in the parking lot, I'll save a seat for you. You can sit next to me, man. I'll save a seat for you. Call me when you get here. Text me. I'll meet you out at the front door. If somebody would just say that, then they would come. But unfortunately, too many of us, we say no for people already. So, oh, no, they wouldn't be interested. They don't want to come to this party. And, and we don't even, don't even invite them. Jesus just says, man, just invite them. Just, just invite them. Verse, verse 21 closes it like this. The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servants, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them. Compel them to come so that my house will be full. People gave excuses, and the master said, fine, if they don't come, go ask someone else. Go, go ask people that you don't know. Go ask people that are hurt. Did you know that you have people in your life that are hurting, that are broken, that are desperate for hope, that are in pain right now, that are lonely, and their big desire is just to find a place where they can belong, and you are one invite away to them coming to the party and having their life changed by Jesus? I love here, Scripture says, compel them to come. Don't condemn them. Don't judge them. Don't make fun of them. Don't, don't bust their chops because they haven't been to church in a long time. Like, like, don't slap them around because you've asked them a thousand times and they keep telling you no, 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 no. Our love for God and our love for people, I'm telling you, should run further than fear and faster than doubt compel them to come. Here's, here's how you compel them to come. When you live your life so full of life, when, when you party like Jesus taught us to party, then people will come up to you and say, what's different? Something about you. The way you talk, the way you act. Why is it that when everyone else sees darkness, you seem to see the light? Why is it that when everything seems to be falling apart, you have your eyes on the one that is putting everything together? And when they see that, and when they hear that, and when they experience that, they will come up to you today, someday, and say, what's different? What, what's, what's going on? And then you will have compelled them to Jesus. Not beat them with your Bible. Not not made fun of them, not looked down on them, but your life has compelled them. We need a new reputation. The church in Winston, we need to be known as party animals. Like we, we ought to throw the best parties. We ought to be the best friends. We ought to be the people that are inviting everyone to the party that we've experienced. And that's the message that Jesus have. After the resurrection from the grave, Jesus raises from the grave, Christians began to gather. Followers of Jesus began to gather, and they began to party together every day, Acts 2. 
Every day they would celebrate life change. Every day they would celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Every day they would talk about what Jesus has done for them and how they have changed. And slowly but surely they begin to invite other people to the party. You interested? You want to come? Come on, I'll serve you. I'll help you. I'll give for you. I will do for you. Come to the party. Come to the party. And they begin to ask. And the movement began to spread. The last sermon that I preached a year ago, we were in the Children's Museum. Last sermon that I preached there was entitled, For Those Not Yet Here. And I was, I was casting this vision to our people that there's a lot fewer people that are here right now. I was casting the vision to the people that the reason why we're moving to this neighborhood is not for you. It's for those that are not yet here. It's for those that have never been invited to the party before. We're going to take the party to them. And we're going to invite them or we're going to love for them, love them and, and care for them. And guys, that's the reason why seven years ago we planted Revo Church in downtown Winston-Salem. For those not yet here. That's the reason why we launched the North Campus in Rural Hall three years ago. That's the reason why a year ago we moved to this neighborhood. For those not yet here. That's the reason why our leadership team is praying fervently that God would raise up the next generation of pastors and leaders so that we could plant churches and parties all over this city. Take the party to them. There's always room for one more, Jesus said. Just give people an opportunity to see it, to taste it, to hear it, to feel it. And watch what I do. Watch how I use people. To spark a revolution of life change through Jesus, Jesus replaces fear with courage. He replaces despair with hope. He replaces emptiness with meaning. If you're here today and, and you don't know this Jesus, like you never met party Jesus before, and maybe you've been stuck in religion your whole life. And this is kind of this is kind of enlightening. Like, man, if Jesus would, would hang out with the tax collectors, maybe he'll hang out with me. Maybe he wants to party in, in my life. And here's what we want to do. There's a, there's a card, a, a worship guide that was in your seat when you walked in. One of our staff would love to help make the connection between you and God. Because you may not know this. But we actually threw this party today for you just so that we could set up an environment where you could encounter God maybe for the very first time. Surprise! It's for you. And our staff would love nothing more than to connect you with the God that did everything so that you would no longer have to be separated from him. Take that card, fill it out, check on the box. I want to talk to a pastor. I want to make a decision for Christ. Drop it in the offering basket, and one of our teams would love to connect you with Jesus and teach you how to party like we do.